Wait for it. Wait for it. Yes! It must be another podcast! Hello, everybody! Woo! Oh, man. You might be saying, Bron, what, what, what's with this music? What are you, have you totally lost it? Well, <laughs> long time ago. But uh, I was actually watching uh, Post Malone. Um, doing some, I don't even know how I came across this. I think I heard Howard Stern talking about him and then, uh, yeah. So Post Malone, he like put a band together. Now I never really thought I would like any of his music. Um, you know, a guy with tattoos on his face. Mm. Yeah, it makes you second guess a person, you know, I just hope he's okay. But you know, maybe, you know, six feet distance is not enough. Uh, in fact, actually I'll tell you a quick story. <coughs> I was in, um, in California with a friend of mine a few years ago, and uh, we went to an In-N-Out Burger uh, near Venice Beach. And if if you ever want to see just the strangest people in the world, go to Venice Beach. No doubt about it. By the way, if you hear a cat meowing in the background, um, it's my, my wife's cat. <laughs> he, uh, this is what he does uh, on some days when she has work. He just walks around looking for her and talking to nobody. So if you hear a cat in the background, uh, sorry about that. I, I can't stop him. He just he just does what he does. Right, right, Poppy? Yeah, right. Just walking around, literally looking looking for people. Um anyway, so yeah, so I'm I'm in this In N Out Burger and uh the seating is a lot like how it is at uh like uh what's the restaurant? The um Cheesecake Factory, where the seats are like right next to each other, even if you're not sitting with with that those people, you kind of sort of are. So, uh, <laughs> so this guy goes and he sits down and he's facing me and he like looks at me and gives me a head nod. He's got two AK-47s tattooed on his cheek, uh, you know, going from his jawbone up to his eyeballs. I was just like, dear God, man, like, uh, what, who hurt you in your life that, that that was the decision that you thought you had to make? Um, anyway, yeah, so, you know, uh, new experiences, Post Malone, who would have thought? But actually, uh, you know, did a, did a good job playing some old Nirvana stuff from, I mean, I was listening to that back when I was in uh, junior high school. So anyway, look, here, here's my, my plea to all of my 11th grade U.S. history students. So I looked this up because I, I was a little curious, a little concernicus, if you will. Um, I saw that the Great Depression podcast, which I put out on April 22nd, last Wednesday, uh, it got 27 plays. 27 total plays, and I have over 80 U.S. history students, so um, a little bit concerning, a little bit concerning, uh, especially because I have a, an economics class in lap where there are four kids, and it's been played 11 times, so, you know, um, <laughs> I don't really know, but uh, I'm going to try and make this one a little bit shorter. I've already effectively wasted the first three and a half minutes, much like I do in class every single day. Um, I wanted to, you know, be a little extra loud. Uh, I'm going to try, you know what, if you are all talking to me, I'm going to talk back to you. So uh, A-Rod, A-Rod, miss you, buddy. You know, uh, A-Rod actually put out, you know, that she missed uh, me yelling at 7.05 in the morning. Actually, I think she wrote 7 o'clock, although I don't remember any time A-Rod being there at 7 o'clock. But that's a different discussion for a different day. A-Rod, you're the best and you did a great job with your, um, with your extra credit assignment. Uh, so look, everybody, this is the last week for uh, third quarter work. They extended the third quarter. It was supposed to end 
I don't know, like April 10th or something like that. And instead it ends on May 1st. They wanted to make sure everybody had uh, enough time to catch up on work that's missing. So this assignment is not going to be due until the end of the day, Monday. Okay. Um, it is going to be your first fourth quarter assignment. So, you know, uh, it's an easy one. Uh, it's a good topic. It's on World War II. But I want to make sure that you, uh, you get the stuff in that's due at the end of this week. So please, please do that. I'll be grading next week. But if you're like, oh, Mr. Broad, you don't have to grades. You don't have to have your grades until Friday, though, next week. That is true. But if you hand in something on Friday, I, I, I can't guarantee that it will be graded and that that grade will be added. So, you know, do what's in your best interest by uh, getting in this stuff. Really, please, no later than like next Monday. If you need until next Tuesday because you got stuff going on, that's fine. But I haven't given you that much work. You know, I've been cool to you, people. So be, be cool on back. Uh, all right. So really, really cool topic. This is World War II. World War II. I love it. Um, so we're just going just gonna to dive right in. Open up your it's, uh, American involvement in World War II. Let's put a little 2020 on that. Yeah, okay. Okay. And, uh, you know, if you hit the... Um, the file, uh, the view button and hit present, it's just going to go straight on. So I'm just going to talk about this and then you're just going to have a, a, a really easy, easy assignment at the end of it. Okay. So American involvement in World War II. So what's the difference between foreign policy and domestic policy? Foreign policy is when the United States gets involved in issues in other parts of the world. Domestic policy is when we're taking care of what's happening in our own country. Okay. Uh, today, we are very invested and, and in, involved in what's happening all throughout the world. So, uh, you know, our foreign policy now is very, very, it's, it's intense, okay? Back then, that wasn't the case. In fact, if you go to the next slide, okay, why stay isolated? A lot of people wanted the United States to not be involved. They said, hey, we have the Atlantic Ocean, we have the Pacific Ocean. Both of these oceans protect us from any problems happening in Asia, Right? If Japan wants to go and take over all of Asia, well, that's China's problem. That's Vietnam's problem. That's Laos. That's a Laotian problem, right? That was the way that they look. That's Korea's problem. If uh, Europe is just going to you know, decide to blow each other up in a, in a world war, that's their problem. Nazis, not our problem. We have the oceans, they protect us. What could potentially be our problems? Problems, Canada and Mexico. So that's why a lot of people wanted to stay isolated. Now, after World War I, the United States, you remember from the last, well, not the last podcast, but the one on World War I, uh, we certainly did get involved. It took a while. It took a while. Okay, you had the sinking of the Lusitania. That didn't get us involved. Um, it wasn't really until we had that Zimmerman telegram, which was perceived as a threat, that we got involved in World War I. But what happens? We end up sending a bunch of American soldiers over there towards really the ending of the war. And, uh, you know, we, we end up on the winning side, which is always good. But almost 110,000 American lives are lost. Most of those lives lost were actually from the outbreak of the Spanish flu, the pandemic from 1918 to 1919. But they would not have been in that situation if they had not been sent over to fight there. So that's why a lot of people wanted to stay isolated. Also, um, in the 1920s, a report comes out by a uh, representative, Gerald Nye, in Congress, and he finds that <coughs> World War I was fought by the United States really to make money. He says, we weren't really trying to do anything to help anybody. 
we were trying, we were in this for economic purposes uh, primarily. Okay, so whatever. In Europe, they tried to, you know, you obviously, you have in, in Europe uh, the rise of, of fascism. You guys talk a lot about this last year. You've got the Nazis, Okay, and, and the Nazis, you know, under Hitler, you've got the uh, yeah, Mussolini and his black shirts, brown shirts, um, you know, just another fascist nation. And then you had uh, Joseph Stalin out in the Soviet Union. Um, I think actually, you know, there are so many, so many good World War II movies. Maybe I'll throw up a, an extra bonus assignment on that. Uh, really, I think, I think 13 people went and did the bonus assignment, which is pretty good. That's Definitely a high number. And, and, you know, you get to watch a movie with somebody. So, um, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll come up with, with that and uh, I'll, I'll put that on there. I don't know, tomorrow. I don't want to give you too much stuff all at once. Um, anyway, for, with the Nazis and Hitler, Hitler being a crazy man with a little mustache, um, they tried to appease him. It was something called the Munich Conference uh, where they gave him uh, parts of uh, Czechoslovakia. Not us, but this is all things happening there. Okay, so fascist aggression, what's happening? Well, 1935, Hitler, right, he comes to power now. He denounces the Versailles Treaty and the League of Nations, and he starts to rearm. The League of Nations, the Versailles Treaty, it blames everything basically from World War I on the Germans. Hitler had fought in World War I. He was a uh, message carrier, and he actually gets shot. <laughs> so this is one of the funniest things that's ever happened since I've been a teacher, uh, Hitler gets shot in the thuti, right? It's the area where, you know, your thigh meets your booty. That's where Hitler got shot while he was delivering a message. I had a kid last year in Global 10 write an essay and write that, that Hitler got shot in the thuti and then explains the thigh and the booty and then drew a picture, a little diagram of a butt and a leg and exactly what the thuti is. Uh, unreal, unreal. But anyway, so that's Hitler, right? He comes now, you know, he was a... He was a super nationalist for the Germans, and now he wants to go back to, uh, he wants to make, make Germany great, make, make Germany great again, great. Uh, so he says, forget this stupid treaty, we're not going to listen to it, and he starts rearming. He builds up one of the best militaries, you know, at, at the time that the world had ever seen. Uh, 1936, they send troops into the Rhineland. The Rhineland was supposed to be this neutral area between Germany and France. Germany and France are border nations, but there'd been a lot of tension since World War I when Germany went and invaded France. Um, fascist for forces are, are sent to fight with Franco in Spain. Uh, Spain, they had a civil war. Spain never really gets uh, too involved in, in World War II, just as they never get involved in World War I, um, which is an interesting thing. It's called the Spanish flu. Nobody really knows where the Spanish flu originated, but the allies of World War I and the axes of World War I did not want to be blamed. So they just, I guess, mutually agreed. Let's blame it on the guy who didn't want to fight, and that was Spain. Um, 1938, you've got the, the Rome, Berlin, Tokyo Pact, the Axis. Okay, this is uh, going to be, right, Rome is Italy, Berlin, Germany, Tokyo, Japan. So those three nations are getting together. The Munich Agreement. It's where they gave away parts of Czechoslovakia and Hitler, you know, he said, hey, I just want this area because we have a lot of German speaking people here. And uh, so they just give it to him. 1939, the next year, he goes and takes over the rest of Czechoslovakia anyway. Now, if you think about that, right, here's a guy who is he's he's sending troops into a neutral area. 
He said he wasn't going to take over a country. He takes over a country. Isn't that enough? Well, what happened is uh, England and France had basically both decided, okay, okay, okay. We're going to draw a line in the sand, and that line is going to be the nation of Poland. They say if, if Germany decides to attack Poland, right, now we have reason to go and fight a war. So September 1st, 1939, uh, following the Hitler and Stalin non-aggression pact, what an amazing thing, right? You have two of the most ruthless leaders in human history, uh, they meet up at Hitler's uh, retreat in Austria called the Eagle's Lair, Eagle's Nest. And they're just drinking wine, right? sitting out on a balcony that overlooks the mountains. And they're drawing up a plan of how they're going to take over Poland, cut it in half. Part would become communist under the rule of the Russians. And part of it was going to be run by uh, the Germans. And on September 1st, they started. And you have the Blitzkrieg. Happened for the very, very, very first time. If you look here, right, you got a little map. You can see, you know, where the Rhineland is. And that's where they marched into that, again, that area between Germany and France. You can see the area that they take over, the Sudetenland. That was the area that was given to them in the Munich Conference. And then uh, the rest of Czechoslovakia would also be taken over. Uh, here are just some planes. This is the Luftwaffe. Luftwaffe. That was the German Air Force. Uh, they had these planes. Excuse me, uh, jets really called the Messerschmitts. Uh, they were the first jet planes used in warfare. Gave them a tremendous edge, so much faster, could fly higher um, than a regular plane was able to with a propeller. Okay, uh, here again, this is just some more maps, right? In the bottom right, you've got uh, Japan and all that stuff that's highlighted in red. Those are all areas that Japan was taking over at the same time. Okay. 1939, as World War I is going on, we decide we're going to be neutral. So FDR, Franklin Roosevelt, he persuades Congress to allow the United States to aid European democracies, but only in a limited way. We're going to be neutral, okay, but we're not. So it's like, yeah, we're not going to get involved, but we're going to get involved. We're just not going to fight anybody. We're going to give weapons and things like that. So part of this, what it says, the U.S. could sell weapons to the European on cash and carry basis, right? And they can help them in danger zones. So what's the result of this? Uh, aggressors could not send ships to buy uh, U.S. munitions. So like they couldn't come to us, okay? But we are going to help anybody who is fighting for democracy. If you're fighting for democracy, if you're doing something that's going to help us out, then we are all for you. And we would become your arsenal. We go to the next slide, the Lend and Lease Act of 1941. Look at this number right here. Okay, $48 billion. $48 billion would be lent out to these countries in assisting them so that they could fight their war. Pretty amazing. Uh, there's uh, just a video here on World War II in Japan because we don't really talk too much about Japan until we get to Pearl Harbor. Okay. So if you'd like to watch that video, go ahead, feel free. Now, Pearl Harbor, wow. So we have an interesting thing. The guy who was in charge of the naval base at Pearl Harbor, he was kind of a nobody who gets like worked up through the ranks and stuff, but he wasn't you know, this great uh, admiral or anything like that. He actually sent a message to Washington, D.C. 
<coughs> excuse me, got bad allergies. Uh, he sent a message to Washington, D.C., where he explains to uh, Franklin Roosevelt that he doesn't really think that uh, he, he's a little bit afraid that, you know, they had, there, there was a sub, uh, uh, a Japanese sub, get to the point, Bron. There's a Japanese sub that got sunk close to Pearl Harbor. What he then decides to go and do is basically put all of his, uh, his carriers in a row. Then he has the airplanes tied down all together. Okay. So if you look at this picture here, Pearl Harbor, right, you can see, they call it Battleship Row. Okay. Um, you know, where you have the Arizona and all those other ones. Um, you've got our, our aircraft carriers all in a row where you've got the Tangier, the Utah, the Rally, the Detroit, Okay, <clears throat> I mean, when they're all in a row like that, if somebody's going to try and bomb them, I mean, bingo. It's exactly what you would hope for if you're trying to, to fight a war. So then being all in a row, having the airplanes tied down. In fact, when they find out that this guy had the airplanes tied down so that, you know, again, he had them, he had them all moved to one central location and tied down, thinking that if we were going to be attacked, they'd be like hidden. No, they were just all in the same place. So the airplanes get destroyed, the action, obviously the battleships, a couple of the aircraft carriers, and this guy, Admiral Yamamoto, he's the one who had the idea, basically, of how to go about uh, fighting and, and bombing Pearl Harbor. Here's just a picture that, that is taken from the cockpit of a Japanese plane, and again, you see them all in a row there, all the battleships, just made these bombers' uh, lives very, very easy, even the Zero planes that had torpedoes uh, attached to them just made everything very very easy for them to go and fight in this war uh this takes place on december 7th 1941 franklin roosevelt he calls this a day that will live in infamy okay uh following this he signs a war declaration we are not just fighting against japan though now now we can also fight against the nazis in in uh europe so he, fight, he signs that. Here's the Arizona Pearl Harbor. This is, the, of course, the famous picture of it tipped over. Uh, eventually, it would go belly up. Uh, people end up getting trapped in there, which is just a, a fate I can't even imagine. It's just absolutely horrible. Uh, here is the Pearl Harbor Memorial. That little bridge there actually goes over where the ship is. Um, you know, kind of, kind of a, a crazy thing. 2,887 Americans died in Pearl Harbor. A lot, of these, a lot of these people were kids. They were just out of high school. You know, they were looking to enroll. Uh, I mean, you know, it was actually looked at as being a dream spot, a dream landing. If you were going to end up in, um, in, in, in Hawaii, it's like, hey, what the heck, man? This is great. You know, you're just some kid who's living in Mississippi or, or Utah or, or even on Long Island for all that matter. And it's like, hey, you get to go to, you know, the Hawaiian Islands. Like, man, that is freaking awesome. Um, and a lot of them still hadn't even learned how to swim, ironically. Here is the Pacific Theater of Operations. We're going to get involved in something called islands hopping. Um, we kind of think, all right, so we got to take over the Marshall Islands, the Gilbert Islands, the Solomon Islands, uh, Guam. It became a lot of intense fighting. Of course, Iwo Jima. There's a great movie called, <laughs> called Flags of Our Fathers, uh, where they talk a lot about Iwo Jima uh, and, the, and the fighting that took place there. Oh, he's looking for my wife. Huh? Not going to find her. Uh, so, yeah. And then eventually, of course, on August 6th and August 9th, 1945, we have the dropping of the two atomic bombs. Uh, here are two um, videos I have for you. 
just about the Manhattan Project and when they built it. And then, you know, D-Day, D-Day, obviously, uh, at this time, the largest uh, sea-to-land invasion in history. Uh, and then, you know, here, here's, you have the atomic bomb, one of them being uh, exploded as a test. This, I think, picture was uh, taken on a test that they did out in uh, New Mexico. I'm pretty sure. It's either New Mexico. No, I'm pretty sure it's New Mexico. And then on the bottom there, uh, that is Hong Kong. Just absolutely bombed out, destroyed. Um, so, a lot of changes come about for women. World War II is super important. You have a lot of women who are going to be involved in uh, making war materials. And it's just like World War I. Women go out, take jobs that men are not taking or, or working at because they're all fighting a war. Women, after that, they get the right to vote. This time, women are going to join the workforce. And they kind of stay there. Okay, it's no, no, like, go back to your homes kind of a thing. Um, they're going to stay there, and they're going to be highly involved in the workforce. Then you have the Great Migration. So we talked about this a little bit. For African Americans, uh, after World War I, you have the first Great Migration. This is the second Great Migration. You know, it's really pretty tremendous and sad that a lot of um, black soldiers, they go... And they see that, you know, hey, we're, we, they were treated better by the Nazis as prisoners of war than they were treated in their own home, home uh, states and towns and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, next, you know, next week, uh, one of the upcoming podcasts, we're going to talk about the civil rights movement and all that. Really just how poorly they were treated in so many of these southern states, as you can see in what is known as the Deep South, going South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, into Louisiana, and a lot of people, they just leave. They're like, this is crazy. Uh, I'm not going to live here anymore where I'm going to be treated worse than the Nazis treated me, literally. And so they start moving to northern cities, and then uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, San Francisco, again, where uh, you're going to have people who meet up, um, and they're going to form the Black Panthers. Pretty cool stuff. Then you have a, uh, a U.S. Supreme Court case, Korematsu versus the United States. So in 1942, Roosevelt, he, uh, he issued an executive order. So him and his wife, I read a great book about this. They fought and fought and fought about Franklin Roosevelt wanting to do this. His wife, Eleanor Roosevelt, was so against it and so against the restriction of civil liberties. And so what they did was in 1942, uh, all people of Japanese descent, so American citizens, but who were of Japanese descent living uh, on the West Coast, they were, they were like taken into internment camps in uh, Utah and other states uh, out West away from the coast. A guy named Korematsu, he sues and he's like, hey, I'm, an, I'm an American citizen. What the heck? I've done nothing wrong. I like, literally have not done a thing wrong. How can you do this to me? And the court was like, hey, guess what? We did it and we can because it's a time of war. Very similar to in World War I when we talked about um, the Espionage Act and then the uh, Schenck versus United States where the guy was just saying, hey, why do you want to get involved in a war that doesn't have anything to do with us? And they put him in jail. Uh, same thing here, right? Like, I did nothing wrong. And uh, yet he ended up having to live in a camp. And there's this little cartoon about Korematsu. So listen, so that's it. I tried to keep this one a little bit shorter. I thought maybe because the depression one from last week was long. Maybe somebody's looked at it like 45 minutes. Hell no, I ain't going to listen to that. 
And uh, so you didn't. Uh, so I wanted to kind of hopefully, you know, give you a, an opportunity to maybe see this one as less than 30 minutes and you'll be uh, a little more into, uh, in, into, it, uh, in, into listening to it all. Uh, anyway, uh, I do have a little assignment for you. All I want you to do is, uh, is choose one of these events that I have listed for you here. Okay, very similar to the last one about the... Oh my God, this cat. I, I, I can't, I can't. Uh, much, like, much like the last one where I want you to uh, imagine that you are a... Uh, and, and, you know, you're writing for a newspaper. This one, so we used to do things in the 1980s. I remember when I was in kindergarten, kindergarten, um, which, by the way, is a German word for school for little kids, kindergarten. Um, <laughs> weird, right? It's talking about Nazis. Anyway, uh, what I would like for you to do is, is this. We used to have pen pals, and what we did was we wrote letters, and we put them in balloons, and then we'd see if we could get something sent back to us. It was pretty cool. I ended up having somebody from Pennsylvania write me back a letter. I don't know. I don't know if it was real or if like the teacher actually was just doing it. Um, but, you know, pretty, pretty cool stuff. So here's what I want you to do. You're going to act like you are in 11th grade and, you know, you read this. But like all we're going to assume all these people are alive and they can all talk to you. OK, so I want you to write a letter to either Korematsu. OK, I want you to write a letter to uh, somebody from the, uh, who, who is involved in the Great Migration, uh, one of the, the founders, actually, of the uh, Black Panthers. Um, and, and I want you to just like be like, hey, you know, what was, what was life like for you? Um, you know, so the founder of the Black Panthers, uh, Huey Newton, Bobby Seale, uh, those are the two guys. And basically, you know, ask them. Or you can write a letter to soldiers on either side. You can write a letter to Hitler. You can write a letter to Stalin. You can write a letter to FDR. But I want you to just basically say, hey, I learned about this in school. But I want you to ask them questions. Just like you would if you actually could write them a letter. So pretty easy stuff. And uh, yeah, listen, that is really uh, about it. I hope that you're all doing well. Um, you know, staying safe and, and stuff like that. Not fighting too much with brothers and sisters and parents and stuff. Uh, even though, you know, close quarters for a long time, things happen. But uh, listen, this concludes the podcast. And That's right. And um, you know what? I was wrong about that guy. Now I can't remember his name. <laughs> Who, uh, oh my God, Post Malone. There we go. Uh, not a bad musician. All right, everybody. Talk to you soon.